0: All right, about to start. So, Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for allowing us to um, get to this day and get to this point of the day, Father. Um, I thank you, O God, that you protected us, that you um, led us, and that you guided us, O God. Um, I thank you, God, um, for this class, God, that you have ordained and orchestrated um, for us to to um, partake in father. So I pray oh God that something is said today that will continue to keep their interest and keep um, pressing into you father. And I pray oh God that they would um, devote this lesson and devote everything that is taught at the church through their personal study time as well. So God, uh, we bless you and we honor you and uh, bless those who are going to be hopping on eventually God. And bless those who cannot at this moment so god we um, give you all the glory honor and praise in jesus name amen all right so um i do have of course a pop quiz how about that let's see here play from current slide so i want you all to expect every week a pop quiz so it won't be a surprise to you all so um, let me go to my screen all right can you see my screen I believe you can prayerfully you can um, so this is from lesson two okay so this is the the first question is And anybody can say the answers if you know them. So what does it mean when God's revelation is progressive? We talked about that last week. So what do you all think, or what's the answer to that one?
1: That he reveals more and more to us over time.
0: Yes, good, over time, yep, he reveals about himself over time. That's good. Um, So what does dispensation mean? Anybody remember what dispensation? Hi, April. See you logged in. Write you down. Um, So dispensation is an economy of time. So it's a time where God holds the people um, accountable to the amount of revelation that he reveals. So that's, that's dispensation. Do you all know what dispensation we live in now? Grace and under grace. We're under grace. That's right. Hi Ronis. I see you logged in, write you down. We are under grace. Uh, What is inspiration? according to the definition that I gave you all in it last week. What is inspiration?
1: Anybody?
0: Ooh, thanks. It's quiet out there. So inspiration is God's thoughts through human language. So when God inspire, say, John to write, that is inspiration. He's getting the message straight from heaven and it is being uh, written in human language. So that's inspiration. And what is illumination? You guys should know this. We use this all the time at the center.
1: Teacher, I would like to request uh some multiple choice questions
0: on the phone <laughs> <screen. laughs> not in my class no <laughs> multiple choice <laughs> uh,
1: what is illumination?
0: ooh it's quiet in this Catholic church, so <laughs> illumination. Wait, wait. You said what
1: is it it, um the Holy Spirit illuminating about what God already said um in the scriptures?
0: Yes, that's right. So he just illuminates the revelation that was already given. Yep, that's what it is. Girl, you saved your class because they was about to fail. (laughs) Let's see who else logged in here. See Trish, I see you. And oh Patricia Tillman too. So Trish Jones and Trish Tillman got both of y'all down here. Thank you. all came in just in time after the pop quiz. The class <laughs> was struggling. They were struggling. They needed y'all help. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, um, so talking about last week, are there any um, concepts or anything that you may need clarity on? Or did you all have like an aha moment or um, something that you didn't know? um that was explained or taught hi sharon I'll write you down there um anything last week that you that you guys want to go over or just say hey you know i thought that was an interesting point or whatever anybody want to share I know, but we should be good from last week. So remember um, that all of the notes are in the drop box. Um, I put this week's lesson in there, the PowerPoint and the two charts that we're going to be looking at um, this week. Um, Okay, so let me go ahead and get started here. Let's see here. Go here. Okay, so we're doing session three. We're talking about the origins of the Bible. What is the Bible? Okay, so um, during this uh, class today, we're going to discuss the etymology. Um, Etymology means just the study of the word, study of words um, of the word Bible. So we're going to discuss and define the term to not. Um, and we're going to define the canon and compare other canons of scripture. So if we get that far to the canon, that's what we're going to do. Because It's not a lot, but we'll see. We'll see how far we, we um, go. So, okay, what is the Bible? So this is found in your book in the introduction. Um, in the introduction, it talks about what is the Bible um, to knock um it talks about bc and ad and all that stuff so this stuff is pulling from the introduction and then i'm just expounding on it giving you more information because as you see the author he just kind of kind of gives you kind of a summary of each concept but um i'm breaking it down for you all to so you all can understand as well so the bible has a lot of history and the bible uh, we have now went through a long process that must be understood so the book that we know as the Bible is not just a single book. It is a collection of books written by different authors at different times dealing with a wide range of concerns. Um, And it's more appropriate to to refer to the Bible as scriptures, um, a term that applies that we are not just dealing with one book, um, but with many. So throughout the Bible, you will not really see that term Bible used at all. You will see the word um, scriptures being used. You will even see Jesus referred to what we have as the Bible as scriptures. Um, so also you will see um, it being referred to as scrolls. Um, so when Jesus was in the, in the temple um, and they handed him a book, they actually handed him a scroll. Um, Each book was a scroll. So um, in the temple, uh, according to Luke 4, he said he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scrolls of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. So... um, with with the scroll the scroll actually the the scroll of isaiah it was like feet long it was like i think it was more than six feet uh i can't remember the exact number so it was like about eight to ten feet long i believe because you got think it's dealing with 60 scriptures i mean 60 chap over 60 chapters so they were all handwritten so just just imagine um jesus pulling up the scroll and finding the place of where, of where he was going to read Isaiah sixty one, he read it like with no issue or whatever. So um, that's pretty, you know, cool to even imagine um, that each book was written on a scroll and they just unrolled it and just read the scroll. So, um, so the word Bible um, is equivalent to the Greek word Biblia, um, a derivative of Biblos. And it means an inner bark of the papyrus is a plant. Um, so um, the the word "biblos" mean originally means books. But so what they had, what they did was they took the what they they took the papyrus plant, papyrus plant. Let, it let it dry, and they rolled roll
1: so, so this
0: on. is what the word "Bible" it came from. It was practiced by um, Egyptians. By, uh, Egyptians. So this is kind of what the papyrus plant papyrus looks, like. looks like. And then this is the, the process, process
1: of,
0: of um, how it was, how it was it cut was open, open to dry, and they wrote well, on it I'm getting yeah. feedback from yes. Yeah, do you know why we're getting um, that? Um, yeah. Make sure um, your phones sure are sure. on your phone. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. Um, uh, let me stop right there. So I'm gonna write these names down. See, so yeah, I see Tammy logged on. I see Daryl. Hey Daryl logged on. Uh Latanya. Let's see. Tanya, she she logged on here. Got that. I think I got everybody. Let's see here. Yeah, looks like I got everybody. Okay, cool. So this is kind of what it looks like. And um yeah, so this is what is what it looks like when it's actually cut open and it's spread out and they let it dry and they actually actually wrote on it. So all righty then let's see here. I lost my place. Okay, yep. So um let's see. Yeah. Okay. So the word Bible, I did that. So the Bible, the word Bible um, is plural, like I said. So it's not a singular word. It's actually a plural word, word, word and it means scriptures. Um, so the first time you see kind of the word Biblia, it's not, it's not really meaning Bible. You see that word, um, in the. it's called the Septuagint version. And later on during this course, I'm going to talk about what is the Septuagint, but this, I'll give you a brief definition. The Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament scripture. So um, for instance, uh, it was the papyrus roll that John saw in his vision of heaven, um, Revelation 5-1, which contains so much writing that the outside was covered with it as well. Um, as the inside. So when it was rolled up, it was secured with seven seals. So that's the word, uh, the scroll here. Let me see here. Nope, I didn't put the scripture, but you can find it in Revelation um, 5 and 1. And also in Daniel 9 and 2, I didn't put that in the in the slide, but um, in Daniel 9 and 2, you kind of see the word Biblia um, used or the word scroll used, it says, Daniel observed in the books the number of years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah. Okay, so, um I already said that the New Testament is filled with the Greek term, see, biblos and its derivative. However, none of the uses biblos was easily translated as Bible, so instead the Greek was always interpreted as scripture. Um, so the books mentioned um, in the Bible, especially in the New Testament were rolls of papyrus. Okay, so in our Protestant Bible, so the word um, Protestant it, it means it just means Christian. Um, is a Protestant is a Christian is, is a Christian who belongs to one of the main branches of Christianity. So I'm going to use the word Protestant when it comes to our Bible, the book that we have, the 66 books of the Bible. It's called a Protestant Bible. You're going to learn why in a few minutes. Why it's called um, the Protestant Bible. But the book we have is not really called the Bible. It is really an English translation of the Bible. So the original Bible was written in only in three languages. It was written in Greek. The New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And um, there is about 2% of the Bible that was written in Aramaic. And that is the book of Daniel and the book of Esther. And the reason why Daniel and Esther was written in Aramaic, it was the time when they were under Babylonian captivity. So the prominent language at that time was Aramaic. So that's why Daniel and Esther were written in Aramaic. So it was only 2% Aramaic, 98% Greek and Hebrew in the Bible. Any questions so far before I continue? no we're good all right let's 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 keep it moving um let's see here oh yeah it's a point that I wanted to make here about this so um so we said in in the new testament it's ta- i think it's timothy it, ta- it talks about how the word is infallible and inerrant um but the the original translation of the bible is infallible and inerrant but the English translation we have has errors in it. I don't know if you've ever um, noticed some words um, uh, in the English translation, is not used in the Greek. They use a totally different word than what the original, um, the, what the original manuscript um, has written. And we understand that in the, in the English language, um, we don't have a lot of words as the Greek. Um, Greek has ton of words in the English language. We don't have a lot of words. So that's why in the English um, translation of the Bible, you will see words kind of repeated over and over again, like um, like the word love. We know the, uh, the word love to be meaning one thing, but in, in Greek, there's like four or five different words for love. And so because we don't, in our English language, we don't have, uh, you know, words for those type of um, different types of words for love. So that's why you kind of re- see it kind of repeated again. And also in our English translation, um, there are words, like I said, that are mentioned in the the English translation that are not mentioned in Greek, such as pastor, the word pastor is not in the original language. It's not in the the, uh, Hebrew or Greek language. The word they use is shepherd. And so how do we get the word pastor was through people translating the word, um, picking words that they wanted to use. And so when the Bible was translated into Latin, um, that's called the Vulgate and we'll talk about that actually in a few weeks the Vulgate when it was translated to that he decided to use the word pastor instead of shepherd and Shepherd and that's in that tense was a was a verb and not a noun So it was just is this is this stuff that you find when you read scripture um, That's why it's it's important just to really study and really pick apart things um, You'll see um, you see wayman or or myself um when we or any of the people who preach or whatever will pull out the greek or the hebrew word of something they're not pulling it out just to sound so deep and educated it's it's uh to show you all that this particular word might not mean what it means in in our, in our english language it means something totally different in in the original language so it's very important to to really, um, w- when we get to Bible study methods, we will teach you all how to look up the Greek and Hebrew and how to apply a right and all that stuff. So just wanted to make that point there.
1: Uh, I have a question, if this is okay. To sure. Ask.
0: Oops.
1: Um, you mentioned that what we read now, of course, is the Protestant Bible. Uh-huh. How- kind of wondered what Catholics
0: read. What do they read? Oh, yes. We're going to mention that. I have a Catholic Bible sitting right next to me, and I have a Jewish Bible sitting next to me, too. So we're going to talk about that when we get into the canons. Okay. Yep. We're going to definitely look at that. Yep. So cool. So I'm just going to try to get through this introductory stuff, and then we're going to hop into the canon parts there. Um, let's see here. Two types of authors of the scriptures. Um, the the Bible was written by two authors or two types. You got the divine author, which is God, and you got the human author. So there are over forty different authors of the Bible, but only one divine author. So many of the books, um, there are a lot of many, uh, there are a lot of the books that we don't even know who wrote them. Um, like it's all uh, it's still up for debate who wrote the book of Hebrews. Uh, People believe that Luke wrote the book of Hebrews. There's even an argument out there that Mary, uh, the the mother of Jesus, wrote the book of Hebrews. There's there's so many arguments about who wrote what book. Um, Even the book of uh, Isaiah has multiple authors of it. They believe that Isaiah didn't write the whole um, book of Isaiah. um, When they analyzed the, the writing styles of Isaiah, they only believe he wrote like probably ten or twelve of the chap of the chapters, and they believed that there were other authors um, that wrote it so But when you approach the Bible as not just one book but a library of books, it forces us to know about the human authors of each book in the library so it's important not to not to um just look at the book as a whole but actually look at them at as different books and actually looking at who wrote each book and to look at. You know what they were dealing with at that time because there was a reason why god told them to write about certain things that were going on in their time and things like that so it's it's always important to consider that as well um let's see here uh let's see yeah divine author is inside of us um and so when we are when we're looking at different commentaries and different studies like i said people looking at all types of uh, looking at analyzing scriptures and all that stuff, it's important not to get you know hung up on that or whatever because we have the divine author inside of us, and scripture said that he will lead us through all truth. And so we just have to really train ourselves while we're reading the Bible to take these tools that are being taught and um, able to to really hear God's voice on how to apply them rightly, and it will, um, God will definitely show us how to um, handle scripture. In, in the right manner as well. So um, we're looking at historical audiences in the Bible. Um, there are only three historical audiences from Genesis to Revelation. From I remember um, from our dispensation chart from last week, um, you see that um, the first part from like Genesis 1 through 11 is only dealing with the world. There was no other groups out there. It was just the world. And then from... Uh, from Genesis 12 to Acts 2, the audience um, were the Hebrews, or they were called the Israelites, and then they were called the Jews. They weren't always called the Jews. They were Hebrew, Israelites, and Jews. Uh, maybe one day we'll talk about why they called them the Jews. But um, So the church is a third audience, and they come into play um, around Acts 2 during this um, Pentecost uh, moment or whatever, or whatever. So you remember that the church is made up of believing Jews and believing Gentiles. So at the moment of Pentecost, we have to remember that that was not the first Pentecost celebration. Pentecost was going on 1500 years before that. Um, it was just at this particular Pentecost. That's when God, um, he released the Holy spirit. And went from one dispensation to another, um, so it's important also to note when we're dealing I don't know if you all ever dealt with this when when growing up, we were always taught that the New Testament is for us and the Old Testament is for the Jews, and that's not really that's not right. Uh, so it's important to note that Matthew through John was written about the Jews as well. So we were always taught you know taught that, kind of you know the other way around. Um, the audience doesn't switch until Acts 2. So Jesus said in Matthew fifteen twenty four. I don't think I have that scripture. Nope. Fifteen twenty four says that what he answered and said, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So we as a church has taken a lot of Jesus' teachings and, and tried to apply it, to the church without rightly handling the word of God There are some principles that Jesus did teach That can apply to the church But there are some other principles that he taught That was strictly just for the Jews um, So we must be careful um, when the Bible is saying something Just for the Jews And then we have to understand when um, that principle that he's teaching Can be applied to the church too Okay, Just wanted to throw that out there okay so how the how uh, was the bible developed or how the bible was developed um the scriptures have come to us over a process um, God first spoke and revealed his word around a- around abraham 's time um, The first way that um scripture scripture was um, transmitted was through oral tradition um from about eighteen hundred b c to fourteen forty five b c um, there were there were no written scripture. Everything was communicated through oral tradition. And I don't know if you ever, in elementary school, ever played the game of telephone. When you're uh, playing the game telephone, you know, going from person to person, that message can be um, changed or some information can be lost or, or whatnot. But in the first um, 400 years, from 1800 to 1445, a lot of what God was doing and what he was saying was transmitted through oral tradition. Um, so let's see here, who put the, the the revelation who put what God was saying into writing. It was Moses, um, after they left Egypt in the wilderness at Sinai through the um, 40 year period. So God's word was first, um, through oral tradition, through writings and through editing. Okay. So this is, Right here, the, the slide that you see here, this is the process that kind of made the Old Testament authoritative. So these are the three, three things when scholars or when scribes are looking at Old Testament scripture, they look for these certain things. So anytime in scripture, when God says, when God says, right, um, it instantly became authoritative. Um, you'll see it when, when he's talking to Jeremiah he tells Jeremiah to write this down or he's talking to Daniel to write this down or, or Moses to write this down. When, when they, when they wrote that, it says, and God said to write this, that instantly became authoritative. So through tradition. So when God called Samuel to be a priest, prophet, and a judge, and the faith community accepted it. So whatever God said to Samuel was authoritative. So whatever in that time of whoever the prophet was, if they said, thus said the Lord, blase, blase, it, it was instantly um, authoritative. And lastly, it's through technical. So throughout the editing phase from Ezra to Jesus' time, they were called the scribes. And so they were professional doctors of scriptures and were in the process of making scripture um, authoritative. So let's see here. Yep. Okay, so I'll show you this chart here um, while I was talking about oral tradition and writing. Um, as you see, um, oral tradition, it goes through actually throughout time. And then um, a lot of the writing, it started at 1445 and, and it stopped around uh, about 100 B.C. That was the last book that was written it was Revela- Revelation at 100 B.C. And then through that time, there was a lot of editing as well of the Bible. Um, so how um, the Bible was put together it was God who decided what books belonged in the biblical canon Um, a book of scriptures um, belonged like I said in a canon from the moment God inspired its writing it was simply a matter of God convincing his human authors which books should be included in the Bible so the entire Old and New Testament were not canonized together um, each testament went through their own unique process. Okay, so I think next week we're gonna talk about how the Old Testament was put together, and then the following week we're gonna talk about how the New Testament was put together. Um, okay, yeah, so uh, any questions about that process so far? Um, Scripture was communicated through oral tradition and then it was finally in writing. Actually, the first, the first. Um, scripture that was ever written in the Bible was not just by Moses but it was actually by God remember on Mount Sinai God he wrote the scriptures first and then when Moses came from the mountain he went down saw them worshiping uh, the golden calf he got mad and he threw it down and God told him to get back up here and he told him to write it instead. So the, actually the first thing, the first thing that was written in the Bible was by the finger of God. And it was the 10 commandments, the preamble to the law. So I thought that was a cool fact that God was actually the one that wrote first before, before Moses. All right. So I want to ins- insert this real quick, the Catholic church real quick, because there are some terms that we're going to be using and I, I want to kind of clarify some, some terms real quick. so you will hear me use the word "Catholic. I don't want you all to, to go straight into the, the Roman Catholic Church. Actually, the word "Catholic means "universal church." So technically, um, we are all Catholic. <laughs> when you really look at the term "Catholic," it means "universal church. It means the whole or the general church. This is the term they use kind of in, in the, um, after. Uh, the early church fathers, they used this term a lot. So the word Catholic originally was applied to all Christians because we are a part of the universal church. And I'm going to use Christians sometimes, but y'all know I don't really use the word Christians, but a lot of the writings, the books that we're looking at going to use that term Christian. um, Yeah, I won't get on that horse. Um, So we're all part of the universal church in a way that we are all members of the body of Christ. So the Latin word, is catholicus and in the greek word is Catholicos from the greek phrase meaning on the whole according to the whole or in general so the word in english like we know has a a different um, variety of uh, meanings so we know um okay before before we got the um religion of catholic the religion it was every everybody was under the umbrella if you were a believer of christ if you were saved you were you were considered under the catholic church but they had um a division um in the catholic church um and so it it split so that's how you got the orthodox catholic and the roman catholic during that split but um the 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 term when you really look at the term it means Everybody, you know, Universal Church or whatever. So, um, I'm a when I use the term Catholic during during these teachings, I will definitely you know decipher if I'm using the religious Catholic or Roman Catholic or Orthodox Catholic or whatnot. But I just wanted y'all to know that the word Catholic means universal. Okay, so that was my commercial break. So I'm gonna get back on this one. So in your book on page seven. Talks about the Tanah. The K is silent. Um, before, so like I said, we're gonna look at the Jewish Bible, we're gonna look at the Catholic Bible. Let me see if we got time. Yep, it's 740. So we're doing, we're doing really good on Tanah. So we're gonna look at our version of the Bible. So the first version of the Bible is the Tanah. I'm gonna start right here real quick. I'm gonna show you guys. I have can you see me? I believe you can. This I have the complete Jewish Bible right here. A friend of mine has gifted this to me. And so in the, um, Jewish Bible, you'll see the Tanakh, which is the, um, basically the old Testament. And in this book too, you find the new Testament, which is called a Brit, the Brit HaShah, um, in the, uh, new Testament. We're going to look at the different, um, books they have over what we, what we don't have. So we're going to look at that chart as well. So the Tanakh. Uh, let's see if I did it right. There we go. The Jewish Bible, um, known as the Hebrew Bible, often refers simply to as a Tanakh. It's a word of, made up of the initial letters of the Hebrew names of its three principal parts. So the first part of the book is the law. We got the first five books of the Bible. And then the Nibium, the prophets, and then the Ketubium, which are which are the writings. So this is what makes up the Tanah. Okay, so in in Hebrews, they don't have vowels, so you will see it written out as T and K like that. Tanah, and it's pronounced Tanah, and the K is silent. Um, I wanted to say something else about Tanah before I said that. Let's see here. Oh, so like like I said, um, it's the it's the Torah, the prophets. So we we share that as um, as Christians. We we share. Um, that part of the scriptures with the Jews. Um, Let me see here. But when it comes to interpretation, that's when we kind of split. We have the Jews, they have their own interpretation of scriptures and us as believers, we have our own interpretation of scriptures. So that's kind of like where we kind of go our separate ways or whatnot. So um, in the book, let me see here. In the introduction, it talks about BCE and AD and all that stuff. I wanted to break this down real quick to you all um, as far as how the time system works. Let me real quick. So sometimes in commentaries, you will see these terms used like BCE or CE. Uh, BCE means before the common error. And CE means common error. So you will see these two. Um, terms um, used by non-believers of Christ they don't like saying before Christ or in the year of our Lord they don't like using that so they came up with BCE and CE so we will use because we believe in Christ we use before Christ and uh, BC and AD is I Domini in the year of our Lord so it doesn't mean after death everybody you know uh, while growing up I was told it meant after death but it doesn't mean after death, actually it means in the year of our Lord, Anno Domini, so that's Latin. So uh, here's the canons, different canon of scriptures. So a canon um, is authoritative list of scriptures um, by a faith community, meaning that um, a group of people, trusted individuals, sat down, look through all these books, books of, the, uh, of scriptures or sit down, and look at scriptures and decided which scriptures will fit their faith community. Okay. Um, so scriptures are the word of God. Um, it is a written word of God. So, uh, like I said, who determines what was authoritative was um, different faith communities. So many religious groups or people of, of faith have scriptures. Um, Let's see here what faith communities um, believe that they have the written word of God a lot of them a lot when you talk to the Catholic people um, they believe that they have all that God has written. When you talk to us, the Protestant we believe that in our 66 books that is all that was written. When you talk to uh, any any other faith community they believe the Mormons they believe that they have the written word of God. And and so forth and so forth. When you look at different groups, so um, the word canon, like I said, is uh, is derived from the Greek word meaning rod or rule. So we have our own authoritative list of scriptures that was formed into what we have the Protestant Bible. That means that it was a long list to choose to choose from. So let me show you all. I don't know if you can. Uh, I don't know if you guys can see it. Probably gotta zoom in, put your face towards the screen. Let if me see. If you're on your phone, you can zoom in on it. Okay, yeah. If you're on your phone, just go ahead and zoom in. But um the first com- the first column here is to the Tanah. And you can see what which books are in- are included in the Tanah. I thought I had another chart for you all. Oh, I'm trying to think. Um I did not add it but um you see the certain books that were added and then you see the orthodox bible and then when you go down like you see here in the historical books in the blue section there you see that they have more books than than we have um they have judith and tobit and maccabees first second third fourth maccabees um the catholic bible has the same um and then on the very far right side, of course, that's what we have in our Bible. So you can see the Orthodox Bible. They have 53 books in their Bible. Um, the Catholic Bible, they have 46 books. Um, I mean, I'm sorry. I did that wrong. 50. Yeah, I did that. Hmm. Old Testament, sorry Not in their Bible, in their Old Testament I didn't think that was right They have 53 books in their Old Testament And we only have 39 books in our, in our New Testament And the cool fact is that um, In the world Okay, let me get this facts right So in the world, there are There, there are over 40,000 denominations Under Christianity That I didn't know I didn't know there were over 40,000 denomination and a vast majority of them, a huge majority of them use the Orthodox Bible. You would think they'll use the Protestant Bible, but we use, well, I guess America in America, we use Protestant Bible, but in a lot of places around the world, they use the Orthodox Bible. Um, Let's see here. Okay. Yeah. Um, when looking at the the yellow part, the wisdom books, um, you know, we have just the Songs of Solomon. There's actually a book called The Wisdom of Solomon, too. So that's kind of cool to see. And uh, let's see here. So you all can see in different areas um, what we have and what, what they have and what we're, we're missing and all that stuff. Um, and so we're going to talk actually next week, we're going to really talk about these certain books that, that are, we think are missing, um, in our Bible or whatnot. Um, let me see. Let me stop here real quick. Stop sharing here. I have, let's see. I have the Orthodox Bible here. And I was like, when I, when I, (laughs) when I bought it, And I told my friends, yeah, I got the Orthodox Bible. And they like, they gasped like, oh my gosh, there's that you're not supposed to have that book. There are some books that are forbidden to read and all this stuff. And I was just like, yeah, okay. So, you know, I didn't, I never knew why. Um, I don't know if you all were growing up and ever heard, you know, of the word apocrypha or the hidden books or things like that. Um, I never knew why they were considered hidden or whatever. They believed that these scriptures were not inspired by God. But when we study, I'm giving you a lot, all y'all, a bunch of cliffhangers. But when we study next week, you're going to see a lot of, um, in our Protestant Bible, you will see um, a lot of references to the Apocrypha. And I'll give you one. Um, Who has this one? I think it's the Orthodox Bible. Oh, no, it's the Pseudepigrapha Bible. It's not on there. But anybody ever heard of the book of Enoch? I know everybody heard the book of Enoch before. And everybody know about Enoch. He was, like, real cool with God. He was, you know, and then he was walking with God. And then they said then he was not. And they, they found the book of Enoch, And, um, if you ask anybody under our faith, they'd be like, oh, you know, that's not something that you're supposed to read or whatever. It's just, it's not authoritative and all that stuff. But in the book of Jude, Jude quotes Enoch, right in scripture. Yep. You can find it. It's only one chapter in Jude. So it's like verse, I think it's verse like 14 or something like that. He said, according to the book of Enoch, you'll see that in there. I thought that was pretty cool. And also, you will see even Jesus. Um, I'll give you all this fact. See, I can't hold it in until next week. So uh, you, you see, who, who was Jesus always fighting with um, during his time? He was always fighting with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the coming about the Pharisees and Sadducees happened in the, um, the Apocrypha those books there, you'll find it kind of like in the Maccabees, um, talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the, and the um, synagogue is not found in the Old Testament, it's found in those Apocrypha books as well. And we're gonna talk about more um, about that next week. But I encourage you all just to, just to look, I mean, there it's online, you can look up a lot of these books um, online and just just read it it's a lot of like history this these books that are not mentioned in our book happened during what we call the dark ages which was not really dark ages we just we were told throughout you know our our growing up or throughout our learning that oh it was 400 years when jesus and when god didn't speak to nobody and that's not true as you see here there were a lot of uh, <laughs> There's a lot of things going on during, during that time, but we were just told to believe that during the 400 years, Jesus, God ain't talked to nobody. But in reality, there was a lot going on um, during that time. It's called, the, the correct word is intertestamental period. So the period between um, Malachi and Matthew, that's to call the intertestamental period. So I, yeah, like I said, again, I encourage you all just to, um, I, uh, I can bring this to church and I'll just leave it sitting there on Wednesday. You guys can flip through and look at the Jewish Bible and the Orthodox Bible and see the different scriptures and things like that. So it's really interesting. There's a lot of history of what's going on and how, you know, the Romans took over. And that's why when you get to Matthew, all of a sudden Romans are, or taken over rather than Babylon because there was something that happened between that time or whatever so um yeah so that is it with that one so any questions or you want to know something else or so that's basically the whole lesson oh i got it all done i didn't think i was gonna get it done but i got a question sure so why
1: were like certain books picked out for the bible that we read
0: so um we're gonna talk about the next week as far as like the the um uh, uh, the criteria that they used so they believe that um the faith community that sat down and picked out there were two well of course there's one process for the old and one process for the new so um, the faith communities that when they sat down and looked at the list of scriptures and went through them or whatever, they just believed that they weren't inspired by God. Because like I said before, um, if they didn't have like "Thus state of the Lord or a certain, you know, we're going to go through the criterias next week. Um, they just threw them out. But we're going to look at like through history, like uh, our list was even smaller than this. This was just like the final list of uh, scriptures that were chosen. So it it was just the criteria that they they picked from. And uh, the Catholic or the Roman Catholic during that time, they believed that they were inspired. So I will give you this this hint. Um, Let me go back to the chart real quick. If I can find my mouse, there we go. Um, Let me go back to the chart. You see in column three, now my thing is blocking it. I can't see. Okay, there you go. In column three, it says Catholic Bible. No, let's go to column two. Go to column two, Orthodox Bible, and you see it on top, the gray part. It says based on a larger version of the LXX. The LXX means Septuagint and Um, Scholars believe that the the book of the the Septuagint, which is the the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, they believe that Jesus actually studied from these scriptures here. And you see there, that list, the Orthodox list, is longer than what we have. So during that time of Jesus' upbringing, these were the books that were available in Jesus' time. So that's a that's a fun fact to share.
1: That's a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that is that's a lot. Yeah. So my whole thinking is I'm like, okay, we're you know, striving to be like Jesus and have the mind of God. I want to know what Jesus knew at that time. So why not read these books? Why not look at <laughs> Suzanne, the book of Susanna and all that stuff. And looking, you know, looking at the wisdom of Solomon and looking at the Maccabees and all that stuff. I'm going to give you another hint, too. I'm giving you all the hints and stuff. <laughs> so in the in, in the book of Maccabees, um, there was a festival that Jesus actually went to in the book of John. I don't think I have that one in my today's notes. I have that in my next week notes. Um, he went to a festival in the book of um, John. And it's called the Feast of Dedication. And I want you all to guess what what it is today. The Feast of Dedication took place on December 25th. What holiday am I talking about?
1: And it lasted
0: for seven days. Say that again. I thought I heard the answer. I may have. So it was Christmas. Christmas. Christmas don't last for seven days. Hanukkah was it? Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Yeah. You'll find the origins of Hanukkah in the book of Maccabees, and Jesus participated in the Feast of Dedication. You ain't gonna find that in your New Testament book but only that reference in the book of John. I'm going to give you all the script. I don't have my, this week's lesson with me. I don't know what I just did with it. Um, But um, next week's lesson, I don't have that, but it's like John 10, something um, that you see like, and after the Feast of Dedication or something like that, Jesus went to the Feast of Dedication. Uh, Hold on, let me see if I can find it. What did I just hit? I have my, this week's notes up. Let's see.
1: Dedication.
0: It was, you see, you can find it first Maccabees four and 59, and then you can find it in John chapter, I mean, John chapter 10, verse 22. You see God, you see Jesus going to the feast of dedication and it's only mentioned in Maccabees. So it's just like, there it is. So that's a fun fact, so any other questions?
1: So should we celebrate Hanukkah?
0: Should we celebrate Hanukkah?
1: Yeah, or reverent in some way.
0: I think it's important for us to know what happened. Hanukkah is a Jewish celebration, and we're not Jewish.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. So we don't have to, but I think it's important to know what happened on Hanukkah. Okay. Yeah. Just but like although we're not Jewish, don't we celebrate a lot of the Jewish like the feast days? Aren't those Jewish? Yes, yes they are. Okay. Okay. They are. Yep, they are Jewish. And we as we're called Gentiles or Believers or whatever, we are not okay. Let me say this. Well, y'all yeah, do open up the can. Well, I opened up the can and yeah, you just ate from it. So Um, the feast days, they were commanded by God to celebrate it. And if they didn't, you know, they would be in a lot of trouble. This was their way, um, you know, obedience to the law and things like that is their way of salvation. So if you obey the law, that means you were saved. This is their, this is the God's plan of salvation. So under law, if you obey the law you are automatically saved so now when you're in our times if you don't follow um the festivals it doesn't mean that you're not saved like it's it's you don't celebrate it unto salvation in the bible days they celebrate it unto salvation because that's what god was telling them to do that's not our criteria believing in jesus christ is our criteria for salvation. So you can observe them if you want to, but it, if you don't, no biggie. You know what I'm saying? I, I hope y'all get what I'm trying to say. Like, it's not unto salvation like it was for the Jews. Like it, ain't I determine my, my, it ain't going to determine my eternity. Right. It's not going to determine your eternity. Like, I celebrate them. There's a church that I went to before, Zion Global. They celebrate them or whatever but it's not unto salvation. It's just our history or whatnot. So, yeah. And
1: it's like what we were talking about in the pop quiz, the dispensation of law
0: yes, versus yep. the dispensation of grace. Yep. That was their criteria at the time that they had to celebrate. They had to meet God at a certain place um, throughout the year. There were four feast days in the spring and three in the fall, and they had to be at all of them. Um, so we don't, like, like, like Tracy said, now that, that criteria, that dispensation has changed and we're not required to do that.
1: It's
0: a good question. Great questions. Great questions. So anything else?
1: I I mean, I'm just thinking about Paul and Romans, you know, pointing out how extremely difficult it was to follow the law that mm-hmm. nobody could do it. Right. And so there's no point in trying to take on more rules and regulations and acting like that's part of your salvation. Right, that's right. What what we've been learning. Yeah,
0: yeah. and they, they couldn't understand that. They could not understand that. You have to remember that they were kind of coming from one disp- dispensation to another. So they were kind of in that middle point of um, believing that salvation was obedience of law coming into now salvation is believing in Jesus Christ. They just could not, they couldn't get that. They could not get that. So yeah, it, the law was is impossible. I mean, it was 623 laws that they had to follow. And yeah. And that, that reminds me, I was going to say a point, and point uh, that I thought about the law, because uh, nowadays we try to take certain parts of the law and try to apply it to our lives and trying to tell people that, you know, they can't wear tattoos and all this stuff because it says in the law. And it's just like, that's the wrong, you don't want to use that scripture. You want to use another scripture mentioned in the New Testament where it says, you know, don't defile your, your, your temple or whatever. So they would try to use Old Testament law to try to defend a New Testament, you know, all that stuff. So it's just, yeah, we're not under the law. We never was under the law. Jews were. We're we're not Jew. <laughs> we're Gentiles. So amen. That stress <laughs> is <It was> off. <laughs> Flat out. No problem. Not Flat mine. <laughs> right, right. We're not Jewish, so we're we were never under the law, never. So anything else I can't wait till we get the next week cuz I'm like my mind is running like yeah but yeah next week we're going to talk about um the new testament and as you see like with our book it talks about kind of general statements and then I just kind of take some of the concepts and I just kind of elaborate on them a little bit more so um i think in the the first chapter it talks about canon or what not um so go ahead and read finish reading uh if you haven't started chapter one just read chapter one Uh, i'm talking about the old testament um i think it goes into the new testament but we're not going to hit new testament next week we're just going to deal with old testament by itself and then we're going to the following week we're going to look at the old testament because i'm going to give you more information than than what the book is giving you so any other questions or concerns. I want to make sure I had all the books. Um, I thought. see here. I thought I had. So I think when when Daryl asked a question last week about resources and all that stuff, I thought I had um, a chronological. But I actually, I have the archaeological Bible, and this um, will help you um, dealing with a lot of the history kind of the prehistory and dealing with different tribes and all that stuff that's out there that the Bible just doesn't explain. And like I said last week, like the Bible was solely um, written for God's plan of salvation. So it's not, it's not the end all of history. So this is a really good Bible to use as well. That's heavy. Um, and of course the chronological Bible as well. I thought I had it. Now I'm about have to go buy it. I thought I had one um yeah so anything else we're good we're still alive i see everybody's still there so amen saints amen lights so all right so remember you can pull these documents these charts especially the one uh, with the canvas of scripture that's in the Dropbox, and all the powerpoints is in the Dropbox. um you can watch the replays on the site the link that i give on the family page and all that stuff so um, if you ever have any questions about anything during your research or studying you can always hit me up Um, i can definitely help as much as i can Um, i don't know everything trust me i don't i don't know everything so um, if i don't know it i will definitely find the answer or help you look for the answer so um yeah so this is all about being a disciple learning about god's word and getting back to the mind of god that's what it's all about so alright so I will if you don't have a book we have copies at the church too I, brought uh, them. I
1: think we sold our last one
0: well I um, Sunday I dropped a UPS package in the church so okay. it was like six or seven I think or something they're like there yeah Very I left sure. them on the counter or whatnot okay. so that's extra six or seven so if you don't have them you get it from Elder Tracy for five bucks so it's a really easy read, about 75 pages, 80 pages. I read it on the plane. So it's it's really good. And I keep on reading it too. So it's a really easy read. So, all right. So let us pray out. Um, Father God, uh, we thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for this, um, this moment that we're able to share um, your word and share um, the process of how the word became your word. And because of the, the um, trials that it went through and all the pulling out and taking in and things are hidden, um, so we suppose, and um, things are not revealed to us, God, I, I respect your word even more. I honor your word even more, um, God, for what it is, God. And I pray, God, that when we read scripture, that you will continue to allow the spirit of truth to reveal to us the truth that we need to know, God. So I thank you, oh God, for just allowing us to partake into your truth, God, to partake in knowing your mind, God, Um, for it's not easy, it is definitely work, um, but it's work that I pray that we're all desired to go through. Um, God, give us the grace, give us the faith and give us the strength to continue to study. Know when, It is a false word or false, anything that is not lining up with your word. God, give us a discernment to know. God, um, help us in our studies and just allow the spirit of truth just to continue to speak inside of us. Um, Bless those, God, who are online and who didn't make it. I pray, oh God, that they will make it next time. And so bless us as we're going to our destination. Or are we at home, God? And God, we give you all the praise, glory, and honor for who you are. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. All right. I'll see you guys. Amen. God bless you. Love. Thanks. See bless you in